HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery. Kane Vineyard and Winery supports Heritage Radio and the growing movement to change how Americans eat and how we think about our planet. For more information, visit www.kane5.com. Okay, it's Thursday, 1 o'clock, and you're tuned in to the Heritage Radio Network. You're listening to The Farm Report. We are on the line with David Haight of American Farmland Trust. Welcome, David. Hey, Erin. It's great to be back with you. Yeah, we love having you guys on the show. So yesterday morning, 7 a.m., two um, busloads full of NYC peeps, myself included, headed up to Albany where we met you and a collection of area uh, New York State farmers and food activists and AFT members for the No Farms, No Food Rally Day. Um, which was awesome. We're going to bring on some other kind of attendees in the second half of the show to talk about things from their perspective. But we wanted to bring you on the line first to hear from from your perspective how the day went. Was the rally a success? Did we take on Albany? It was awesome. I've got to tell you, Aaron, I've been talking to people all morning that uh, attended yesterday's rally, and people are just really fired up. There was just such a good vibe coming out of yesterday's event. Uh, people just really excited about a positive message being sent from, you know, people from upstate New York, you know, from farmers and local government officials, from people from downstate New York, from food and community groups. I mean, it was people coming coming from across the spectrum, uh, really to send a positive message uh, to our state leaders, you know, that food and farms can be a solution, you know, that these are solutions to some of the biggest problems that we're facing, whether it be our economy, you know, the health of our kids, whether it be the health of our environment. There was just some great, great messages that were being sent yesterday. Yeah, and so I want to talk a little bit about some of the specific talking points you set your groups in with. Um, but, the, you know, the budget is out now. How are you guys feeling? Well, we yesterday we got a chance to hear directly from some of the state lawmakers that are you know in the trenches, so to speak, and really uh, fighting hard for some of these uh, farm and food programs. Uh, so we heard from uh, State Senator uh, Patty Ritchie and Bill McGee, uh, Assemblyman Bill McGee. They're the uh, chairs of the House, uh, the Assembly and Senate uh, Agriculture Committees. Really good news about a commitment to uh, sustain dedicated funding for a series of. 
marketing and promotion programs to help you know tell the good story about things grown in New York. Uh, programs like our Farm Viability Institute that really helps with uh, business planning and business development for farmers, uh, and then programs like uh, integrated pest management to help our farmers deal with pest problems but reduce the amount of pesticides that they have to use to do it. So really good news about those agricultural programs being kept in the state budget. And then importantly, uh, funding for our state's Environmental Protection Fund, uh, which is a critical source of funding for uh, programs that help farmers protect their land from being lost to development, uh, also helping community groups, whether they be groups involved in helping to build community gardens uh, in the city or land trusts that are working to protect farms out in the countryside. You know, some of the key funding within uh, the Environmental Protection Fund was uh, held stable as well. So just some really positive news uh, in a very, very difficult budget environment. Yeah, I think that's been kind of the, the talk down here is, especially in New York, I know you've probably heard about Bloomberg, Mayor Bloomberg's response to the budget and kind of the top thing on everyone's list. Um, I'm curious, when you're putting together the rally day, you know, how do you guys kind of, kind of decide on like what are going to be the most important pieces to you? Because I know, you know, if you had a magic wand, the list might look a little differently. And I'm specifically kind of wondering about the farmland protection program, the, the funds that you asked to be um, committed for that program. You know, you asked for a commitment of $12 million. And I was curious, you know, looking at the write-up here, that, that obviously the state has promised a lot more than that to New York State farmers. So kind of where, where did that number come from, and what are you guys hoping, you know, that's going to look like over the next few years? That's a great question, Aaron. You know, our state's farmland protection program is, uh, the, it offers farmers an alternative. You know, what you frequently hear from farmers is, you know, my land is the most valuable asset that my family and I own. And so if times are tough, they're not making good living from their land, or if they need to put a kid into college or pay for something else, uh, what do they do? They sell off that land, and frequently that means that it gets uh, developed into a subdivision or some other type of development. And what the Farmland Protection Program does is it gives farmers an alternative, a financially competitive alternative, and it pays them, rather than to develop their land, it pays them to permanently protect protect that land and keep it all permanently available for agriculture. And so if you're somebody that wants to become a farmer, uh, this is a great tool to help uh, make land available for you. The problem we face is that the state has promised now uh, $70 million to 60 families to help them protect their land, and now has been very slow in making that money available. You know, Aaron, I, I will say that the funding this year for that program is up uh, from last year. That's great. So that is fantastic, and I can't tell you how excited we are that Governor Cuomo proposed that in his uh, budget, and then the legislature supported that in the, the final budget. They just adopted it to this morning. Oh, really? They were in there late night, huh? Uh, they were. I understand the State Assembly finished up around one thirty, two o'clock this morning. So uh, if, we, if we have a haze in our head from yesterday, they're they are definitely feeling it. It was a late night in the Capitol. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, the, the no farms, no food. I mean, obviously, you guys are working on issues beyond the scope of just farmland. Um, you know, one of the platforms that you were talking about this year was looking to increase the availability of nutritious food grown in New York. Can you talk about some of the, the programs on on that agenda? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a recognition by more and more New Yorkers that, you know, our food matters. And uh, particularly if we can get better access to nutritious food, uh, that that's going to deal with some of the really vexing public health problems we've got. Uh, so one of the programs we were talking about was the uh, Hunger Prevention and Nutrition Assistance Program. Uh, that's a program that's accessed by our emergency food providers, you know, food pantries, soup kitchens, uh, that they use those dollars to help buy uh, fresh produce uh, to be able to bring into their system and be able to distribute to low-income New Yorkers. Uh, there's some great examples, though, of how that program has been used to help not only get good food into the hands of people that need it, but to actually use those public health dollars to um, pay for farmers in New York to grow it. And so there's some great examples. Some of our friends at Just Food and others are doing some great things to not only feed people good food, but also to get the dollars to stay here in New York. Uh, so the funding for that is at least held harmless. It's basically staying at almost $30 million in this year's state budget. Uh, but we also see some real interest in the governor's office in particular. Governor Cuomo talking a lot about farmers markets and community-supported agriculture. Uh, they're uh, proposed and the legislature has supported uh, kind of looking at new financing options to help beef up farmers markets. Uh, and so there's, there's some good news on the horizon that our state leaders are really talking about new ways to get good food in the hands of, uh, of everybody here in New York. That's exciting. I know we had Alexis Stevens who runs the Green Market EBT program on earlier this year saying they had put um, just over half a million dollars for 2010 um, in EBT dollars at farmers markets. So we're excited to kind of see support for that and to look at those numbers growing uh, over the next few years. Um, so... Yeah, the other thing, Aaron, I'll say one of our other priorities really about economic development. And I think one of the great pieces of news that we took away from yesterday is that, you know, Governor Cuomo has talked very actively about uh, food and agricultural businesses being kind of one of six key industry sectors that our state needs to focus on. And so they are going to be developing regional economic development councils, 10 of them around New York State, uh, to help. Uh, drive economic development here in New York. And we heard a lot of uh, good feedback yesterday about uh, the opportunity to make sure that there's at least a, a farm representative or a food uh, representative uh, on each of those councils to make sure that um, you know, food and agricultural businesses are prioritized when these councils are making their decisions. There was also a lot of talk yesterday about Hunts Point. Yeah, that was that definitely came up in a lot of my meetings too. What's going on at Hunts Point? What are you guys looking at, thinking about from AFT's perspective? Well, from our standpoint, um, you know, projects like Hunts Point just make so much sense because they help sustain jobs in New York City. They help improve access to good food, keeping getting it into the city, um, and it creates a market opportunity potentially for New York farmers, uh, particularly if we can keep that kind of state identity through the supply chain going through Hunts Point. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that's frequently lost when we make economic development decisions is that if, if we're talking about a processing facility, you know, whether it be so a dairy processing plant or if we're talking about a distribution facility like Hunts Point, you know, you get the jobs directly at the site. But if 
uh, it's the the site is a processing or distribution facility, and the raw product like uh, milk or vegetables or fruits, if they're grown here in New York, you also you're supporting the jobs on those farms, and you get the beautiful landscape that everybody loves to see as a bene- as an added benefit. Usually, when we talk, you know, the way we think about economic development and we make decisions about where to put those dollars, they never take those things into account, and so. We're very excited about these regional councils and really helping to drive home that food and agriculture is where it's at. Well, yeah, and to give a sense of scope, I mean, um, on one of the sheets you passed out yesterday, you, you noted that combined uh, farm and food businesses generate over $31 billion a year in economic impact for New York. So definitely a sector that is worth a lot of attention. Um, you had some speakers talk a little bit yesterday, too, and I was noticing some, some Brooklyn names and some Manhattan names on there. Um, how did you guys decide who was going to address the special audience that you had collected of the people who decided to come up and rally? And maybe you can give us some highlights of, of what they had to say yesterday. Well, you know, we we were very lucky. Uh, you know, it was a busy day. The literally the governor and the state legislature approved the state budget yesterday, so it was a, a crazy day at the Capitol. But we were very lucky to get um, State Senator Patty Ritchie and Assemblyman Bill McGee to join us. Our uh, new acting commissioner of agriculture, uh, Daryl Aubertine, joined us as well. Uh, really sending very positive messages about you know from their vantage point as uh, state leaders. They just see so much opportunity uh, for food and agriculture here in New York, and that it's such. You, you always hear about the divide between upstate New York or downstate New York, or you know the city and the country, and that food and farming can be such a bridge between those two different communities. Uh, but then we were very, very lucky. We had um, Reverend uh, Jackson uh, come from the Brooklyn Rescue Mission. Uh, he spoke very passionately about you know being in a community that is a self-described food desert and the things that they're doing locally to kind of develop a, a urban agriculture and a farmer's market. But they just see that as kind of scratching the surface, and they just have some exciting plans to you know, create food hubs to get uh, food grown by farmers uh, here in, in the countryside into their part of Brooklyn. And it was amazing, Aaron, because he spoke, and then that was followed up by Richard Ball, who is a vegetable farmer uh, from the Mohawk Valley of New York. And he spoke about what he saw as an incredible opportunity to make linkages, uh, speaking from direct experience, working with some uh, community groups in Harlem, and how they're getting more of their carrots and other vegetables into the city on a regular basis, and what that means to him personally, and what it means to his family business. Uh, and then last, but in no ways least, <laughs> uh, the, the, the man that brought it all down was uh, Robert Morgenthau. Uh, he is the uh, you know, former district attorney for uh, for Manhattan, and uh, but also a farmer. Uh, and so his his family has owned a farm in the, uh, the Hudson Valley for ninety years. And you know he talked about uh, you know all the all the uh, things he's seen change uh, on his farm. But, you know, from his experience uh, in Manhattan and his family farm's experience up in the Hudson Valley, just uh, real opportunity and excitement um, around agriculture today. And so, as he pointed out, you know, I, things have, we're, we're going downhill for a lot of farms and that there's been a lot of opportunities lost. But he sees, and I, I agree with him, that 
things are on the rebound. I know, I'll admit, I was a little starstruck. The man, the legend. <laughs> um, so, so we're about to take a quick break, but before we do, can you let our listeners know where they can find out more information on getting involved um, with AFT's work here in New York State? Absolutely. If you want to find out more about what we do or about yesterday's rally or maybe things going forward, uh, you can visit our website at farmland.org backslash New York, uh, or you can visit our Facebook account, which is uh, American Farmland Trust NY. Awesome. Thank you so much, David. Get a little rest today, huh? Uh, thanks, Aaron. <laughs> and hey, thank you. I love the fact you were able to join us. It, I can't tell you how much that means. Great, great. I was, well, I was happy to be there. Okay, we are back. You are tuned in to the Heritage Radio Network, and you're listening to The Farm Report. Um, in the first half of the show, we were talking with David Haight of American Farmland Trust about yesterday's No Farms, No Food rally, and we are now on the line with two rally attendees, Shauna Pacifico, chef of Back 40 Restaurant here in Manhattan, and Eleanor Tarlow of the National Resource Defense Council. How are you, ladies? I'm good. Awesome. Well, Excited to have you on. Um, we want to talk a little bit about the the rally day from your perspective. So I think, uh, Shauna, we'll start with you. I know you were at the bus bright and early yesterday, about 6 a.m. I know you spent a little time checking people in and getting things organized to head up to the rally. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how, how your day went? Um, sure, yeah. 
I, I did. I got to the bus um, a half an hour earlier than I needed to, um, which was bright and early, and the sun wasn't even up yet. Um, <laughs> uh, but we, yeah, we got. We had two buses. We went up to the rally. Um, uh, it seemed to be a bit more people that were coming up from New York this year. I also went last year, um, uh, so we had probably about sixty people. Yeah, two buses this year. That was two awesome. And um, so, you know, that's a, that's it's nice to see people turn up and, um, you know, New Yorkers uh, doing something about what's going on. Um, and uh, we went up to the rally this year. I, I definitely, for me, was different this year. I kind of knew what I was getting into a little bit more. Um, and like I was saying yesterday, it definitely had a different feel to it. Um, people seemed a bit more excited, more into it. Um, you mean under- the, the assembly people that you the were meeting with? The assembly people, the senators. Um, and their staff, uh, yeah. Yeah, and they just, they just definitely understood the language. There, were, there was definitely, it just felt like last year there was um, kind of like a deer in headlights look from a lot of people. Um, and then this year it was definitely, uh, it just felt, felt different. Progress. <laughs> I know. That's great. I, I felt I felt like I you know I, I accomplished something. That's awesome. <laughs> More this year than I did last year. So just just for our listeners who may not be aware, I know I think you and I were both first timers last year, and we were expecting to show up and maybe get a placard and and rally. You know, <laughs> a little bit of like hell no, we won't go. But that's not really kind of how the day went. Can you can you just explain for our listeners a little bit like what what you did throughout the day? Sure. Um, well, we, we, we all got there um, uh, around 10 in the morning, and we get divided into groups. I think there was um, about 200 people there. Um, and each group has a group leader um, who's definitely a bit more versed in the issues that we're talking about. Um, and, and basically, we're going to these assembly men and women and asking them to either restore funding for certain projects or um, give more money or, or not take money away from these projects. Um, and we go, and the, the day is divided up between um, meetings that we have set up that are already set up for us. Uh, and we go in, and you basically, it's usually groups from, my group had six people, seven people. I think some groups were up to, like, ten people. Um, and we just kind of go in and give our, our story, basically talk personally about why, you know, we care about these issues that have been outlined for us to talk about. Um, so you're a chef at Back 40, a wonderful restaurant in the East Village located on Avenue B between 11th and 12th. What what was your story? Why are these issues important to you? Um, I, I basically came from the point of just kind of, of being there to support farmers and um, and saying that I'm, I, I'm, I'm the the end product. This is where, you know, I'm the person that's buying these products from these people and, and, and then selling it as local food. Um, so I just kind of explained that if without these farms and without these farmers, you know, putting everything on the line for, for me, for my job, I wouldn't have a job. So that kind of was, um, you know, and I might have said that particular story in seven different ways throughout the day. <laughs> That's awesome. So, Eleanor, let's bring you in. We were in the same group, and to just give people yep. kind of a sense of the scope, our group had um, a dairyman whose who's dairy farm is milking uh, 900 cows. We had someone from the Audubon Society of New York. We had okay. someone from the Brooklyn Food Commission. We had community gardeners. We had a farm intern from Consider Bardwell. And then, Eleanor, you and a few other women were there representing um, the National Race. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about your role and and what brought you guys up to the rally yesterday. 
So I work for the Natural Resources Defense Council, NRDC, which is a uh, environmental nonprofit organization, and uh, we're fairly large. We have 1.3 million members and online activists and five offices, um, and our regional program, which is headquartered in New York, um, is starting to work on these regional food issues, which we're very interested in, which is why I was there. And uh, we're trying to work on increasing the amount of local sustainable food uh, that New Yorkers can access because we think it's a really important issue, and that involves protecting our farmland um, and also increasing our infrastructure, so our markets and our distribution systems. Awesome. And were there any of, of the kind of items outlined um, from the American Farmland Trust talking points that were particularly of interest to your group? Well, we are starting to work on um, Hunts Point, which is one of the largest wholesale markets in the world. Um, and it's a very important market. It generates billions of dollars of revenue for New York and provides New York with thousands of jobs. Um, and we were lobbying yesterday the New York State legislators on providing critical renovations for this market because it is running at 50% over capacity. Um, I think actually you made this wonderful point yesterday, which is that a lot of the food has to be stored in trucks that idle all day long. Um, and so the emissions associated with these diesel trucks are pretty bad, and Hunts Point is located in the South Bronx, which has already high asthma rates. So NRDC is really hoping to renovate this market, which is a critical source of revenue and jobs for New York, make sure it doesn't move out of the state, which I don't know if you saw there was a Wall Street Journal article today about the potential for uh, the market to be moving to New Jersey, and they've identified a few sites in what? New Jersey. Yeah. Hell no, <laughs> well, we won't which, go. <laughs> I know, which would not be good for New York in terms of jobs and revenue. Um, and so we, we're hoping that we can renovate this market, keep it in New York, and create a carve-out for um, wholesale farmers markets so that people upstate um, who are farmers have a really important market that they can sell and distribute their food where um, New York City chefs who are interested in purchasing local food for their restaurants can go and shop um, and, you know, make it more profitable for farmers, really provide them this market. There's some crazy statistic that um, even though New York City produces 10 times more um, than we demand in apples, we import 75% of our apples out of New York State. And setting up markets and distribution systems like Hunts Point for local farmers can really help to, you know, provide an opportunity to sell those goods. Awesome. Well, that, that's exciting. So, ladies, anything that kind of stuck out as, as surprising or, or unexpected from the day? Any, any kind of... I know some of, some of the things that surprised me last year were just how the offices were decorated. I mean, <laughs> I mean we don't have to be all serious, but I, I think, you know, for, for those of us, um, you know, like myself, who hadn't ever kind of been up to Albany or participated in a lobbying day... Let's paint a little bit of a picture for our listeners about kind of the scenarios we were walking in and out of through the day. I think that um, uh, my group, we, we, we went into discussion about how the, the time of day just kind of completely slipped us, and it seemed a little bit like almost like being in a casino because um, you're, you're just walking through these halls that are pretty vanilla, like, you know, beige walls, beige carpeting, no windows. Um, right. And it just was like, what is, where am I? Like, it's like Twilight Zone. Um, and, and the offices, I mean, to me, they just was like 1975, a lot of them decorated. Um, 
Uh, but the Capitol itself, when we went to the Capitol side um, of the building, um, of the, I guess, you, yeah, yeah, that was pretty nice, and the, the stairwell and all that. Yeah, and I was impressed when we first walked in that there was, I don't know if it was just because we were there that day, but there was a farmer's market on the entry-level floor. No, I, I think they have a farmer's market there at, once a week. Every, once a week, every yeah, Wednesday. which is great. Yeah, that's exciting. I think that's a newer program for the Capitol. I know one of the things that I'm always that impressed me about the day is is the work that that American Farmland Trust did putting the menu together for for that day's yeah. lunch. Now, Sodexo, um, one of the largest food corporations in the world, does the food service at the Capitol, and and actually my old, old chef Matt Weingarten, who's a Sodexo man, uh, worked with folks up at the Capitol to put together a menu that included regionally sourced beef, apples, um, cheese from Cabot. Eggs from Flying Pigs Farm, uh, all together in these really nice little lunch boxes, and then um, you got to kind of see that possibility for that even at the state capitol. That you know, change can start there with the food that they have available. Sure, I mean, I, I kind of really like the story how you were explaining how hard it was to get a New York apple mm-hmm. into the capitol last year. Um, you know, that just kind of. Uh, you know, speaks. I, th- I think that speaks a lot to like, you know, here are all these great New York products, and Albany is up there, surrounded by you know different communities and um, and uh, areas that have a lot of farms, and then it's you know so hard to get these New York products even in a place um, of that size. Right. Um, but hopefully that'll that'll change soon. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of New York pride happening. I know we met with several assembly people from the Bronx. Um, who I, w- I was really surprised that seemed a huge interest in developing uh, farmer's markets up in that area and really looking at ways to get more healthy food into that community. So it was exciting to, to hear that. And then I know, I think the three of us are, are Bro- Brooklyn residents. Um, and it was, it's also nice just to identify kind of who your legislators are and who your assembly people are and to realize, you know what, they have offices here in Brooklyn. And as New Yorkers, uh, we don't have to wait for a special rally day to head up to Albany. We actually have offices where we can go and set up times to speak with our legislators about some of these issues. And I think one of the biggest takeaways for me has been it's not that scary and you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to know everything. But just kind of getting out there and, and sharing your story and sharing your voice is a really uh, powerful way to send a message. Yeah. And they were so, everyone was so enthusiastic and open to the messages that we were sending. So I would echo what you said and encourage everyone to get out and get this message heard. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, the, the, the scariness has definitely been taken away. Um, you don't have to be, you don't have to be, uh, you know, well-versed in, in these issues. Um, you just have to care and, and show these legislators that we care. Yes, and hell no, we won't go. No farms, <laughs> no food, right? Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, ladies. It was great to spend the day with you yesterday and get a chance to debrief a little bit today. Yeah. Uh, tune you. in next week, 1 o'clock, for the Heritage Farm Report. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. The 
following message has been brought to you by Fairway Market. What's the buzz about honey? Well, those busy little bees are up to something, and it is delicious. The Fairway label honey is superb. Fairway only hires worker bees that are the best at what they do. This makes for a great-tasting, high-quality honey at an amazing value with the Fairway stamp of approval. And on top of being delicious, honey is a great substitute for other sweeteners and can even benefit your health. This includes better energy, respiratory improvements, and balanced blood sugar levels. It's a no-brainer. Get your Fairway honey today. The following is a public service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. The Snacky Tunes compilation has arrived and is available for free on our website, heritageradionetwork.com. This compilation features live performances from some of the hottest acts around today, including Midnight Magic, Surfer Blood, Oberhofer, and more. Again, you can download this compilation for free on our website, heritageradionetwork.com, and make sure to listen to Snacky Tunes every Monday at 2 p.m. on Heritage Radio Network.